Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Superhero stories have been called the myths of our day, helping us understand who we are and what unites us. Since Superman first leapt tall buildings with a single bound, the vast majority of the characters have been white, straight men. Movies and television have consistently held to the standard, giving us Han Solo and Luke Skywalker to root for as they rescue Leia. However, in recent years, we've seen new faces in popular franchises and behind the masks of our heroes, creating a more diverse universe. In a recent TEDx USU talk titled The Comic Universe Belongs to Everyone, USU Assistant Professor of Journalism and Communication Deborah Jensen explains why these new faces matter and why it's important when a hero looks just like you. Deborah Jensen studies communication and social justice groups, including the representation of marginalized groups in popular culture. Her work has previously focused on narratives around religious feminism and the American environmental movement. She's a regular contributor on Comic-Con panels discussing diversity in the media we consume. And I should mention here that TEDx USU events are organized by the USU Office of Research and Graduate Studies. They're sponsored by USU Research and Graduate Studies, USU Kane College of the Arts, and Utah State University. Deborah Jensen, pleasure to welcome you to Access Utah. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. Uh, so in your talk, you talk about growing up in the 80s. So tell me what that was like and what was the comic universe like at that point? Well, it was male. Um, uh, growing up in the 80s, you had Princess Leia and Wonder Woman and the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. <laughs> the, 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 these were heroes, right? <laughs> right. These, I mean, and these were the, you know, popular culture and media kind of shows you who you are and what your possibilities are. And those were your possibilities. And I loved the Wonder Woman TV show and I loved Star Wars. <laughs> I just didn't see me there. Mm-hmm. And that can be kind of limiting. Right. And you you uh, show a picture your first day of you at I don't know what age. It's probably my first day of kindergarten. Yeah. And you looked adorable. <laughs> Thank you. But um but you said, you know, you you felt that you didn't look so much like Wonder Woman as as what you what was your joke R2D2. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I was shaped more like R2D2, so I couldn't really wear the Princess Leia gold bikini. <laughs> uh so you so What's the problem then if if you can't see yourself in the comic universe? Well, if you don't see yourself, and to be fair, white women, we see ourselves in popular culture. We see ourselves in the comic book universe. We are largely the victim or some the damsel who needs to be saved. Mm-hmm. That teaches you at a very young age that you are not to be an actor who tells your own story and who makes your own decisions. Um it kind of trains you to be passive, and I don't think anyone would want that for themselves mm. or, you know, their children. Right, right. So, yeah, that can be – it can be very limiting, mm. like I said. I was trying to find it here in your Twitter feed. By the way, it's a, it's good it's good Twitter feed, at Deborah Jensen. Um, you were – I'm not sure if this was you or you were retweeting, but you were complaining about a new movie coming out. I can't remember what it was, but, but the, the phrase that stuck with me was, another needless damsel in distress. Oh, God. Yeah, probably a few. There are a few (laughs) of those. I think the most recent one, and I may have angrily tweeted about it a few days ago, is the new version of The Mummy that's coming out. I think that was it, yes. Yeah, um, and I will just be totally honest. I approached that with some skepticism, (laughs) Um, but I was ready. You know, I thought, oh, this looks interesting, a new take on The Mummy. Let's see what they do with it. And immediately in the trailer, we get a naked woman. And we get a woman, another woman who is needs to be rescued. 
literally someone puts a parachute on her while a plane is crashing and then forces her out the plane <laughs> and it, it, she gets damseled and she has to be rescued and mm. that's frustrating mm. this is a phrase she Damseling, gets, gets yes. damseled you get damseled da- yes. i had, had not been aware of that but that's been the that's been the construct hasn't it for a long time the dam- oh, yeah. the, the the male rescues the female oh yeah oh yeah from you know think back to the first king kong <laughs> yeah <laughs> being a woman being carried or lifted or she faints and we, we save her. Mm-hmm. So uh, that does have an effect, I'm guessing you're, you're saying, on, on young women who are watching this? I think it has an effect on young women. Mm-hmm. Um, you grow up thinking that action happens around you, that you um, often, especially if you think about the trope of a woman fainting when things get tough, um, not only action happens around you, but when action happens, you can't handle it. I think it affects young men. They are forced to take all responsibility for that action, and they don't see women as equal partners in making decisions, in creating change. Um, I talk a lot all the time about my two daughters, but I also have a son who (laughs) I would very much like him to see other people as equally responsible and equally capable. Hmm. Now you talk you talk about in your your talk that uh, the world's in the comic universe is very different now. So your daughters and your son have I, I, they can see themselves in the what what are their favorites? Oh my gosh. Um well so my son is a freshman in college and he loves Daredevil which is he sees himself. He he's <laughs> a white man. He of course he sees himself in comic books, but he has been become taken with um, the new Black Panther. Hmm. And one of the things that I think is so exciting about that is you don't just see yourself, you learn about other people, right? Popular culture teaches us about our community and about people we might not interact with all the time. So he loves Black Panther. Um, My youngest daughter is obsessed with a comic book called Silk, which is a spider, she's in the Spider-Man universe. And, She's in her early 20s, late teens. Um, She's Korean-American, and she's drawn very realistically. And my daughter just, she loves her. She badgers me. I'll hear about it today when I get home, if I've gone to the comic book store to get silk. (laughs) Mom, have you gotten the new silk yet? (laughs) So um, really loves those. Mm. Those comic books, um, my kids are learning about... um, new new ideas, new possibilities for themselves and for others. Mm-hmm. And then I force them all to read Ms. Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about Ms. Marvel. Oh, <laughs> Ms. Marvel is so great. Um, Kamala Khan is our new Ms. Marvel, and she is a Pakistani-American teenager growing up in New Jersey who loves comic books and geek stuff. And then through a freakish accident with some toxic fog she becomes the new Ms. Marvel and she has to figure out how to be a superhero but her own kind of superhero she's from a devout Muslim family and one of the first problems she encounters is she doesn't like the costume Mm. (laughs) and so we have a new costume on Ms. Marvel too that's uh, more functional it's more respectful of that faith and she's just you watch her navigate try to combine these two identities just like people do every day in real life Hmm. um 
it occurs to me that some some people, some in our audience, will not be into comic books. They'll not be into the you know the comic universe, and they'll be thinking, um, "Why are the kids reading the comic books? That's, you know, <laughs> rot their brains. Why why don't we push them to great literature?" Oh, comic books are great literature. Mm. Um, comic they can be, um, and they follow recognized narrative. Um, schemes. I and I am not a comic book scholar. I'm somebody who studies this just so I have the excuse to talk about it and keep <laughs> comic books in my office. Um, but comic books are great literature. They are a different medium, um, and we tell incredibly powerful stories through comic books. Right now, you can buy a comic book version of Representative John Lewis. He talks about his um, childhood and his activities with. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Movement, moving stories that for some readers, for some learners, might not really jump off the page if it was just text, but in a graphic mm. novel, really speaks to a new generation. Mm. And it is very modern, isn't it? It's, it? It seems to fit our world. You know, <laughs> what was the recent study that showed that Americans have an eight-second <laughs> attention span for things we'll listen to and watch. Mm. Comic books move pretty quickly. Mm. You can go frame to frame to frame. And um, yeah, it's. <laughs> I think that is helpful for mm. us these days. A very small book to get through and be like, oh, look, I finished that. Mm. And the purists, or you might call snobs, I, I guess the, the point would be, you know, the great literature is always there. But for kids who don't want to go there, or adults, they can go to the comic books. Do you uh, do you read graphic novels? I read a few. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I haven't. That's not something I've gotten into. My husband really enjoys X Men graphic novels. Mm. He's he loves them. <laughs> mm. What would you say about the X Men universe? The, oh. the diversity there, and is there? Would you would you like it more diverse? Oh, always more diversity is my answer to that. But I do think the X-Men comic books do something very important in that they teach about change. They teach about um, whether or not you can choose to be different and how we accept people who are different in our community. And so I think X-Men are diverse in an entirely different, on a different level. Um, but yeah, I I live with a devoted X-Men slash Wolverine fan, so... <laughs> I could never say anything. I once accidentally made a joke about an X-Man, and I thought he was going to divorce me. <laughs> People take it seriously. They do. They, they yeah, really it was, take it seriously. It was a rough couple of days yeah. in the Jensen household. Yeah. <laughs> I, want to, I want to get into talking about uh, Comic-Con, because that, yes. that's a whole phenomenon. And you go down to Salt Lake Comic-Con, and, and you participate in panels and uh, and, and cosplay as well. And yes. So we want to talk about that. Uh, let's, hear, um, let's hear a bit of uh, old comics the the type that you might have grown up with within the 1980s of course this might be before as well uh so this is superman uh, man of steel trailer goodbye my son my hopes and dreams travel with you you'll be an outcast i'll kill him how be a god to them. What if a child dreamed of becoming something other than what society had intended? 
What if a child aspired to something greater? My son was in the bus. He saw what Clark did. You're the answer, son. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe. Can I just keep pretending I'm your son? You are my son. And I have to believe that you were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes the rest of your life, you owe it to yourself to find out what that reason is. How do you find someone who has spent a lifetime covering his tracks? For some, he was a guardian angel. For others, a ghost who never quite fit in. You will give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. Son is safe. I will find him. My father believed if the world found out who I really was, they'd reject me. He was convinced that the world wasn't ready. What do you think? What's the S stand for? It's not an S. On my world, it means hope. Well, here it is. An ass. How about... Excuse me. So that's the trailer for Man of Steel. That's from 2013. Um, and, uh, you know, there's some updating there, right? Yes. From the, from the older... But still, uh, Superman is a white, straight male. Yeah. And magical kind of a god <laughs> yeah and very exciting to watch uh now uh you know lois lane is spunky right uh but but she's not the hero no and she is to be rescued most of the time she's um the reason people act and not the actor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so when young people see that oh. i guess they're you know they're that's 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 what they the, the, this they see the gender roles there yeah, you, it teaches you what your what part you play when you see it over and over again. We don't have to say, little girls, you sit there and someone will rescue you. Mm-hmm. If you watch kids play, when they grow up consuming this kind of media, they know that the girls get rescued and mm-hmm. the boys do the rescuing. Right. So you're talking about increasing diversity in, in the comic universe. And as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about Disney. <laughs> I'm thinking about all the little girls I know who have princess parties and really love those princess parties and love the Disney stuff. And what? so what do you think about Disney? You know, <laughs> I think Disney is great. I love my daughters loved Disney stuff. Um, although I will say my youngest, when she got invited to a princess party in kindergarten, it was right after um, Prince William and... Kate Middleton got married and she went as Kate Middleton. 
<laughs> and told everyone that she was the only princess with a college degree. Mm. So she's been trouble for a while. Mm. Um, but that sounds positive. Though. It that's, does. It's, know, it's, it's, nice. I think it's adorable. Yeah. And uh, it was a fun conversation for her to have with her friends about mm. what makes a princess. Yeah. Um, but I think what we've seen with Disney, we have seen an evolution. We've seen um, Disney princesses who are, you know, starting with Ariel who want more adventure, who are more independent, who are academic with Belle, who, you know, and now we've had princesses of color and who are no longer driven by romantic interests. That's huge. Um, there are still lots of concerns with Disney representations of women. You know, you see Mulan is a great character that your kids, you know, you want your daughter to see in Mulan. She's a warrior and she goes out there and she makes her own story. But then when you go to Disneyland, the Mulan that they encounter is the Mulan who is very made up and is the ideal feminine for that culture. And it doesn't necessarily fit with what you, the message of the movie. <laughs> so Disney's great. They're coming along. Um, anytime a princess's head is smaller than her waist, mm. I think we've <laughs> made some important advancements. <laughs> that, that could be the, the, the Jensen rule you're, you're proposing yeah. here. It's like the Bechdel the, rule. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I can get behind that rule, yeah. <laughs> because it's it's unrealistic, right? Right. It's unrealistic images. Right. We've you know, and I always joke. There's a recurring joke with women around the world, I'm sure, but with my friends especially, that Disney princesses gave me a very unrealistic expectation for my hair. First of all, mm -hmm. it's just not going to do what Disney princess hair does. But, um, and then you move down from there. Yeah. <laughs> For people who haven't seen the picture of you, you don't have Disney hair. Uh, no, I do not. I've never had Disney hair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very, I have a mohawk almost. Yeah. So that's, um, is that a statement that you're, that you're doing? Is it just something you like or what? I have naturally curly hair mm -hmm. that I'm, that is also going gray and I'm too lazy to keep it colored or do anything with it. So it's, <laughs> it's practical. It's practical. It's practical. Okay. Very good. Uh, we're talking with Deborah Jensen uh, today. She gave a, a recent uh, TEDx USU talk titled "The Comic Universe Belongs to Everyone." She's an assistant professor of journalism and communication, and in her talk, she explains why new faces, uh, a new, more diverse comic universe, matters, and why it's important when a hero looks just like you. We'll continue talking about this. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the new Thor. So there's a woman Thor, right? Um, and uh, I want to get into talking about a phenomenon these days, the pushback. Oh. Talk about diversity. There is a pretty vicious pushback from uh, people who want to keep the comic universe the way it uh, always has been up until, up until now. Uh, that and much more following this break. Holiday programming on Utah Public Radio is brought to you by our members and the General Surgery Department at the Budge Clinic, 1340 North, 500 East in Logan. Intermountain Clinics, wishing UPR listeners a safe and happy holiday season. Information at 435-716-1950. Ah, the holidays. A time for peace, a time for love. Look, uh, uh, first of all, address the, that well, the premium. Well, let's address the a lot of the things that that train So Sean Hannity, compassionate guy, huh? It really throws people. <laughs> I'm Guy Raz, finding compassion at Fox News and other stories of empathy. That's next time on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Join us Sunday afternoon at 2 on Utah Public Radio.
Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and we're talking with Deborah Jensen. She is Assistant Professor of Journalism and Communication at Utah State University, and she gave a recent uh, TEDx USU talk titled The Comic Universe Belongs to Everyone. She says, since uh, Superman first left tall buildings with a single bound, the vast majority of characters have been white, straight men in the comic universe. Moves television, however, have um, been changing. In recent years, we've seen new faces in popular franchises and behind the masks of our heroes, creating a more diverse universe. So we're talking about this uh, on the program today. You're welcome to join the conversation at 800-826-1495. Tell us your favorite superhero. And uh, maybe it's one of the the new diverse superheroes, 800-826-1495. Or you can join us uh, at upraxcess at gmail.com. That's our email, upraxcess at gmail.com. And we're on uh, Twitter. Our handle is at upraxcess. Um, so, uh, let's, let's hear another uh, clip here. This is, uh, from the new Ghostbusters movie, all female, or the, the, the heroes, the four heroes are female. That's okay, she seems peaceful. My name is Erin Gilbert, Doctor of Particle Physics. That stuff went everywhere, by the way, in every crack. Very hard to wash off. We have dedicated our whole lives to studying the paranormal. Now there's sightings all over the city. There are people out there that need our help. Holtzman, you're a brilliant engineer. Erin, no one's better at quantum physics than you. We can provide a real service. I'm joining the club. You guys are really smart about this science stuff, but I know New York. And I can borrow a car from my uncle. (laughs) Uh, You didn't disclose that the vehicle was going to be a hearse. It's a Cadillac! Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh. Did you want to? Sorry. sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. Okay. Someone is creating a device that amplifies paranormal activity. So there's a part of the trailer from uh, the new Ghostbusters. What do you think about the new Ghostbusters? Oh my gosh, I love it so much. <laughs> I um, I remember I'm old enough that I saw the original Ghostbusters in the theaters and mm. loved it, and um, now. I took my daughters and my son to see the new Ghostbusters, and I cried at the end. (laughs) It was a different movie viewing experience, if you were a woman, to see a group of women who were dressed fully in functional clothing for the job, who were academics or who were professionals, and that's what they were focused on. There was no real love interest going on there. They ate food. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then the fight scene, I mean, everything about it was, it just hit all of those things that I didn't know I was missing until a movie came along and showed me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Women in movies don't eat food? I guess they... Women in movies do not eat food. Pack at their... Yeah. They do not eat food. They joke about the food. They don't eat... Um, no. And, and men in movies are allowed to eat mm-hmm. food. Um, yeah. Women do not. 
We also, the relationships between these women are very, it looked so familiar to many women because we thought, oh yeah, this is how what we're like. Mm-hmm. So it was great. And if you have Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon, I mean, that's going to be, it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, strong women. Um, so let me, uh, I want to get to the pushback, uh, which is an interesting and troubling phenomenon. I want to have you talk about Thor, though. Thor as a female character, and 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 uh, when I first heard you talk about that in your TED talk, I thought, how could you? I mean, th- you know, muscle bound <laughs> Thor, but uh, in the in the new comic, Thor is a female. Yeah, um, Mighty Thor, Jane Foster. Um, this is the new run of Thor that we've had, and what happens is we uh, the story opens with. Thor, as we traditionally know him, no longer being worthy to wield Mjolnir, which is the source of his power. And that worthiness is bestowed on someone else. And it happens that someone else happens to be a woman. Mm. And she's ripped. You were worried. Mm-hmm. She's got muscles. And you show a picture. She really is. She's muscle bound. <laughs> she, yes. Yeah. She's encouraged. I, I might eventually go to the gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you inspired by her. <laughs> inspired. Okay. But I want those. Those arm muscles are amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us about the about Jane Foster, who's the the alter ego, right? The- yeah. So Jane Foster, for anyone who is familiar with the Thor universe, is I mean, she's someone we know, and um, she is Thor's love interest. She's been around for a long time in the movies. She's Thor's scientist love interest. Um, and what we discover through the first few issues of Mighty Thor is that Jane Foster is the person who is worthy to be the new Thor. And um, she's also incredibly ill. She's dying as a mortal. And every time she takes up the mantle of Thor and becomes Mighty Thor, it costs her hmm. in time and health. That's interesting. You yeah, know, it's also, it, it fits in with, I'm again, I'm not a sociologist, but it fits in with a lot of research about women who tend to place other people's well-being ahead of their own Mm. and so even small things like that that we can't quite put our fingers on when we change when you change the characters when you allow them to be someone different they actually get to be someone a little bit different Mm. Uh, yeah changes it changes a lot of things right yeah um you said something interesting your your tedx us you talk about thor you said uh you were thrilled of course and you said i wanted to live in every frame of it oh yeah it, the the artwork is absolutely beautiful it's it's gorgeous it's it's bright it's vibrant it's full of action um but i wanted to be there i wanted to be there for the beauty but i also wanted to be there for the moments when someone calls her woman mm. <laughs> pejoratively mm. and she says that's mighty thor to you <laughs> or when someone says you feminists ruin everything <laughs> which is a line from a frame mm. um i wanted to be i just there really aren't words mm. <laughs> to see because this was a face and a character a mask that we knew right and to see it played so differently by someone that looked like me mattered Hmm. to me. You quote someone I I couldn't, I didn't write down who it was early in your talk. You said to everyone these days gets to make their own myth, right? Yeah. It's a comic book writer. Steve Orlando said that. And, Hmm. um, he is 
very well known in the comic book universe. Um, he's also openly gay. So he's been actively working to create that kind of representation in the comic book mm-hmm. universe. Um, and he's he's right. Everyone should get to have their own hero myth. If these are heroes and characters that live on paper and the only limit is how we draw them, why can't they look like everyone? Hmm. So uh, we all get to be Joseph Campbell, I guess. We yes. We construct our own. <laughs> um, and we've been talking about why you know why that uh, that matters. Um, one of the things you say in your in your TEDx USU talk, uh, you you give three ways that people can help make make the comic universe more more diverse. I want to bring in the first one right now, and you say create your own media. So in today's world, you can not only construct in your mind or enjoy someone else's representation of your own myth, you can actually create a movie or create you know create something. Oh yeah, um, we. Production costs are so much lower than they used to be for us to draw our own comic book characters and create our own book. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of, for $20, I sent away for a little kit for my daughter to make her own book. She got to illustrate it, write the story, and then she sent it away, and they bound it, and it came back. Um, For just a few dollars, you can upload your stuff onto a website, and... That kind of fan fiction (laughs) has made its way into the mainstream. I mean, this is not comic book related, but the most successful, popular example I can think of is Fifty Shades of Grey was (laughs) fan fiction (laughs) that someone saw. Oh, or The Martian. You know, The Martian, a major motion picture, started out as a book that somebody wrote and put online Mm -hmm. for people to look at. So Mm -hmm. the barrier to becoming a creator independently is so it's it's breaking down Mm. and we should take advantage of that if you're creative i'm not creative so i just tell other people to do it Mm, right right. (laughs) (laughs) what was your daughter's book about oh well it was a panda it was related Mm -hmm. to a panda somehow but she has recently created her own superhero called captain change master she has a cape which i think is a mistake (laughs) as we learned in the incredibles um but you know it's not my character um but she's been inspired. She did that because she fell in love with the comic book Silk and just liked drawing it, mm-hmm. just like drawing the character and trying to figure out if she could do it. Mm-hmm. And now she's sort of made her own character. Yeah. And unlike in the past, she can she can have this bound. She can have this made into a into a book. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have a color printer, mm-hmm. she can print up her own version and give it to her friends. Yeah. Um, she Like I said, she can put it online. Once she's old enough, she's not quite old enough to have her own Facebook page. She can post her own frames mm-hmm. of it online. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in your talk, um, uh, there are a couple of people, Sam and Maddie, <laughs> yeah. who, who made their own zombie movie. Yes. Tell me about them. Sam and Maddie are, um, so I used to work with Special Olympics, and um, so anything that involved representation of people with um, intellectual disabilities, I was, I was all about it. And Sam and Maddie loved zombie movies. Um, they're in their early 20s and they both have Down syndrome and they were best friends and they bonded over zombie movies. So they thought, well, we can make one that stars us. Mm-hmm. And they did. <laughs> it's a spring break zombie massacre, I believe. And I found out about it along with a whole bunch of other people because it was featured in Time magazine. Mm. <laughs> because <laughs> Sam and Maddie said, this is a kind of art that we like and we don't see ourselves in it. So let's just put ourselves in it yeah they were able to so if they can do it you know most anybody can do it right I mean, yeah 
Um, can you can you find this somewhere? Is it out online? There was. Do you know? I am not sure if the full movie has been released yet. There was a, a fundraising effort for it. But if you Google Sam and Maddie's Spring Break Zombie Massacre, I believe again is the title. Mm-hmm. You can find a lot of information about it. Mm-hmm. And you know, even if them finish the movie, the fact that they've started the conversation. That's important. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about cosplay. And f- for those who, you know, above a certain age, which included me, <laughs> I didn't know what cosplay was until a few months ago. Um, costume play. Yes. So this is, people are wanting to really immerse themselves. As you said, you wanted to live in every frame of, of uh, Thor. Um, people don't want to just dress up on Halloween. They want to. What, what, what's, what's the impetus behind cosplay, do you think? Well, it's fun. I mean, think back to when you were a kid, dressing up as something was fun, and we lose that as an adult. <laughs> I'm not sure if we uh, grow inhibitions or we lose the creativity. I'm not sure which one it is. In me, for me, it probably was both. Um, but so cosplay is, I'm trying, I'm trying to add up the number of times that I've engaged in cosplay over just the last year, just at like, oh, my friend threw a party, let's all dress up. As something, or we're going to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this is not a new idea, mm-hmm. um, but it is a chance for you to jump in and put your own spin on a character, put your own take on a character, or demonstrate your dedication to a character. I mean, there are people who spend months crafting incredibly realistic cosplays, um, and it's it's a way to celebrate and honor that character mm-hmm. too. What kinds of characters have you dressed up as? Generally, I dress up as very secondary characters. <laughs> My very first cosplay at a Comic-Con was as a soothsayer from Doctor Who, <laughs> which is a character that people might recognize if they saw it, but when you talk about it, they what's that? Hmm. Um, one of my favorites was a group of friends and I, with my daughters, um, we went to Comic-Con as Superman we were basically the Justice League, but we gender bent it. Hmm. And we were dressed, you know, we each had their superhero shirt underneath, but then had, um, you know, we're dressed as Clark Kent as a woman. Hmm. <laughs> My daughter was um, Barbara Allen, not Barry Allen, the Flash. <laughs> very, very good. What reaction did you get? Um, there were people who knew what we were doing because it was, it's very subtle. People who knew what we were doing loved it. Hmm. My kids had a blast because they got to make you know she got to make her little barbara allen crime lab name tag and she got to get very detailed in it um other people there were some people who kind of rolled their eyes uh, pick a girl character if you're gonna dress up mm. um and then there were other people who just said yeah way to go mm. <laughs> way to own it <laughs> uh it's it's amazing uh the latest issue of national geographic has a story on uh young people in russia they call them the putin generation and there's a picture there of a, a young couple doing cosplay. <laughs> and I, I didn't recognize the characters they were they were doing, but the caption said they enjoy doing engaging cosplay from time to time. And there they were. It's it was, a community. And yeah. it's something that when you... I mean, it's hard to explain going to Comic-Con. You, it's like you step into a different world. And um, people form relationships around it. People, they bond over it. They debate over whether you're cosplaying correctly um 
What's what's that debate? What's the what are the rules? Are you mixing genres? Um, there are you know examples of have you picked something that you're just not portraying it accurately? Um, are you for men and women, but especially for women, are you too big or not physically fit enough or the appropriate race gender for this character? Or you know the classic line of you're ruining my childhood by being a fat wonder woman mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah which is, which is troubling it is right let's take a break i want to come back and that'll uh, give us a segue into this this pheno- this big pushback the phenomenon the, the the war that's going on on twitter and in social media and, and online um and uh you quoted someone saying in your talk um some white men are saying white men are being written out of the comic universe and and you you roll your eyes and you're talking. I think you just rolled your eyes just right now. Uh, so let's talk about that when we come back. We're talking with Deborah Jensen, who recently gave a TEDx USU talk titled "The Comic Universe Belongs to Everyone." Uh, TEDx USU events are organized by the USU Office of Research and Graduate Studies. They're sponsored by USU Office of Research and Graduate Studies, USU Kane College of the Arts, and uh, Utah State University. And the talks uh, from October are just up, and you can find those at tedx.usu.edu. More following the break. This is Management Minute by Professor Scott Hammond. Westfield, Massachusetts is known as Whip City because 120 years ago, 40 companies made buggy whips, tools, and carriage parts. Today, only Westfield Whip Manufacturing remains. Harvard Business School professor Theodore Levitt gave sound advice to businesses facing change. Back in 1960, he said businesses should concentrate on their customers' needs, not on specific products. If buggy whip makers had thought of their businesses as transportation accessories, they might have survived into the automobile era. There were 13,000 businesses in wagon and carriage parts in 1890. Today, less than 1% of those businesses still exist. But that 1% exists because they listen to their customers. The Management Minute is brought to you by our members and the USU Shingo MBA program at the John M. Huntsman School of Business, a 15-month graduate degree for executives giving knowledge and skills to leverage the principles and tools of lean continuous improvement. Huntsman.usu.edu. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. We have reached our last segment with Deborah Jensen. She is Assistant Professor of Journalism and Communication at Utah State University, and her recent TEDx USU talk was titled The Comic Universe Belongs to Everyone. Uh, she says that uh, there are new faces now. It's more diverse in the comic universe, and uh, she explains in her talk why these new faces matter, why it's important when a hero looks uh, just like you. And we've been talking about uh, some examples. One, one of your Recent enthusiasms, Deborah Jensen's Thor, a female Thor, right? Yes. Um, you do treat, though, however, in your talk, not everyone is happy <laughs> with these these changes. Um, this is a phenomenon. It's it's uh, there there is some pretty strong, vicious pushback. Yeah, and I mean the geek community has been known for as long as the geek community has been known for gatekeeping each other. Um, <clears throat> For insisting that you know the origin story back to the beginning, that you know what's canon and what isn't right, and we've we've always engaged in that. But with this new this influx of women into comic books and of people of color, of 
diverse ideas being represented, we've seen a real blowback from predominantly white men who just do not want to give up this fiefdom that they own or think they own. Um, and I sympathize. I mean, if you grew up with Steve Rogers as Captain America, um, Sam Wilson is a bit of a jolt possibly to you. Um, and I, I understand how you can feel like maybe my my beloved character doesn't isn't the same person anymore. Um, at the same time, I can't imagine what it meant to boys and men of color when Sam Wilson gets to be Captain America, mm. the most American of all superheroes. And now he is America. It, mm. it, it takes you from no longer being othered in our community. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's um, but people do not like it. Mm -hmm. They push back. They've women have been bullied off of Twitter. They've been um, threatened. That's one of the things that is unfortunately common when women get pushed back online. We don't just get called stupid or uninformed. It comes with a threat often. Yeah, that's it is it is unfortunate. Unfortunate seems like a too weak word. You know, it's 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 horrible. Um, yeah. And 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 there you know there's often comments about appearance. Yep, I most yeah, <laughs> and again, not having experienced this as a a, a male, um, I can only speak to the idea that as a woman. Um, first, my legitimacy in the space is questioned. Well, do you actually know how many of these comic books do you read? Have you seen this? Um, and then my the appropriateness of me being there is mm -hmm. questioned. Mm -hmm. Well, it it makes it hard for me to enjoy this when there are women there, or mm -hmm. you're ruining it. it the character is no longer the same. So, and it can be it can be scary. It can be um, embarrassing. It, there are women who've had their home addresses published, mm. and that's it's dangerous. Yeah, and death threats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's not just a case of my feelings are hurt. I can't handle being online. <laughs> um, and, and I wonder if you have a theory about where this is coming from. It just <laughs> it just the, to to me it seems so out of proportion. Um, you know, the, the the violent the death threats the violence the personal attacks um, you know I can understand if you felt ownership for this world but the reaction just seems out of proportion to me it does um, and there are uh, none of these theories really belong to me but there are some like I said gatekeeping this idea that we closely guard who gets to be a part of this community has been around for a long time and for you know, there's the stereotype of like who reads comic books, the Simpsons comic book guy. Um, you're usually unattractive. You're not you're not popular. You're bullied in larger communities. And so there is this theory that the bullying and the gatekeeping happens because once I find a space where I have some power, I'm going to wield it. And if that's in determining who gets to be here, then that's where I'm that's how I'm going to use my power. Um, so there's that, kind of a pay it forward in a very negative sense. <laughs> then there's also a woman on Twitter. I wish I could remember who it was. I follow anytime a woman who has a comic book character in her avatar, I follow her on Twitter. Yeah. Um, but she hypothesized that 
geek women are a threat to geek men because geek men often use their geekiness as the explanation for why they aren't successful romantically. And if there are women who are interested in the same things, then that kind of takes that <laughs> very defining <laughs> excuse is... away. Now, I think that might be kind of mean-spirited, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I've had a few geek men say, oh, that actually hits a little close yeah. to home. <laughs> and it's, it's sad in a way, right? You know? Yeah. For, for, for If that's true in some cases for some of these men, it's very, very sad, the lives that they're leading. It is. And I will say there are so many men in this community who have been welcoming and just no coming. I don't care if the only thing you know about Superman came from the movies, which is me. I'm a Marvel girl. <clears throat> They've said, no, any kind of geek, we want you here. You help make the stories better um so like my faith in the community is constantly being um increased and upheld by mm -hmm. the majority of people mm -hmm. it's this very vocal very negative very ugly minority that tends to sometimes just make me ugh. yeah <laughs> but i promise we're not writing white men out of comic right, books right. i promise <laughs> right they'll still be there yeah you, you guys are going to be fine still, still <laughs> Uh, this uh, I want to make this broader because some of the strains of this phenomenon are seen uh, more broadly. Uh, I want to start with uh, going back just a couple of years. Uh, Anita Sarkeesian was invited here to, to Utah State University. Uh, if you don't know who she is, she's a media critic, blogger, speaker. And, uh, boy, she's gotten blowback, including death threats. And mm -hmm. that that's what... Uh, she says derailed her visit to to USU. Of course, it had this had strains of uh, you know uh, gun control debate and, and and where you can be safe and where people can bring guns. But the reason she felt unsafe and feels unsafe is, is she's got death threats. Yeah, um, in the gaming community, which is very closely related, and there's a lot of overlap with the geek comic book community. Um, this idea of challenging. Um, tropes that often appear. And that's a lot of what Anita, Sar Anita excuse me, Sarkeesian and Brianna Wu um, and the Gamergate idea was, we don't have to draw women as only prostitutes. They don't have to be victims. We can make women, this. you can make them the actors in these, uh, in video games. We, can, uh, we need to open up coding jobs, that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> we just had uh, about a month ago, a woman comic book artist almost directly paralleled the Anita Sarkeesian kind of blowback where she rewrote a character, a third tier character, but got her own book. And um, the cover of an issue had the character wearing a t-shirt that said, ask me about my radical feminist agenda. <laughs> and people went nuts. They hated it. And she was bullied off of Twitter because mm. people were just overwhelming. Imagine, you know, most of us go to Twitter for news or fun things or we go to Facebook for it. Imagine every time you turn on your phone, this space is now overwhelmed with negative messages. And yeah, she had to leave. If I just have a couple of minutes left, um, the, the recent presidential campaign, which boy, I'm glad it's over. Um, it, it had, you know, the and I don't want to stare, there's, there's a lot of stereotyping of Trump voters, right? but at least a subset uh, had these similar concerns where, you know, we are being othered, you know, other people are being othered. And but we now as white people are being othered. We don't like it. We want our America back. Yeah, there's a lot of this ownership of a space where I used to be the majority. I used to be the dominant voice. And now I'm being forced to hear from 
other communities, I'm being forced to adjust the way I speak because other communities are now being more vocal. Um, I think we see it, you see it in our popular culture, and now it's it's definitely something that <laughs> the election brought to the forefront. And um, it becomes a question of, did you ever really own it just because you were the only voice being heard? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Yeah, it goes back to Mr. Trump's uh, slogan, right? And it, which, which to non-Trump voters is is puzzling. Make America great again. But so when was America? When exactly do you want it to take us back to? Yeah, my question was always, when did America stop being great? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what was it specifically that made it not great again? Um, because I'm all about, you know, like, all right, I need a metric here. <laughs> what are we aiming for? And same thing. Yeah, you hear, um, you know, give make comic books canon again. Well, it, it's a it's an art form built on the idea that people come back from the dead and that there are multiple universes mm-hmm. <laughs> existing at once. Um, I don't. You don't get to decide that there's only one reality just because it's the reality mm-hmm. that speaks to you. Yeah. It will be interesting. The, the next four years, I think this will be brought to the forefront. We'll be seeing some of these issues we've been talking about that's been playing out in the comic universe being argued, uh, you know, in the, in the political Oh, yeah. Universe. Who gets to wield power? Yeah. Who gets to be the voice? Um, who gets to claim space? Mm-hmm. You have a—I want to end with this. You have a, a couple of—you uh, had three um, action items. So first was create your own media. We talked about that. Uh, the second is—and we're talking about action items to continue this trend of more diversity in the, in the comic world. A comic universe. The second, your your second item is get involved. Yes. So how to get involved? Well, I mean, go be a part of the conversation. I firmly believe that social media is a gift that allows us to speak with people from broad walks of life from all around, and we get to learn more about things that we love that might have problems. We also get to speak to creators. You know, I um, some of my research is with people who are on comic. Comic-Con panels about diversity and with authors and other creators who attend and listen to these panels, they are listening for what the audience wants and they're making changes based on it. That's important. We have a chance now. I mean, I can tweet at directors and writers and actors and ask them, you know, make suggestions. I can just show them what I love. I can encourage them to keep doing something I like. And I... From what I'm hearing, it does filter up. And your third action item, vote with your money. <laughs> yeah. Buy a ticket, man. <laughs> Go buy a ticket, buy a comic book, um, take a friend, <laughs> go twice. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of um, going three or four times. Uh, I tell the story of a friend of mine. He's not a big Ghostbusters fan and wasn't really that jazzed about the new movie coming out. But he said to me, I really want to support women-led action movies. And I said, then go buy a ticket. You don't have to actually go. Let it be an empty seat. <laughs> you know, some astroturf activism, if you will. Right, right. Um, but go be open about these, you know, The Force Awakens. Be open about Rogue One, the new Star Wars movie that says, look, a woman and people of color they can live in this universe too. Go and sit and see if maybe you can't find something that you love about it. 
We'll leave it there. Uh, Deborah Jensen is uh, Assistant Professor of Journalism and Communication at Utah State University, and she gave a, a talk recently uh, in the TEDx USU series, the most recent series, titled The Comic Universe Belongs to Everyone. Uh, and you can find those TEDx USU talks now online, tedx.usu.edu. Deborah Jensen, thank you so much. Thank you. It was so much fun. And tomorrow we will continue our uh, occasional series uh, in the Pulitzer Centennial Campfires Initiative uh, featuring Pulitzer Prize winners. And uh, we are going to feature a conversation with T.J. Stiles. His uh, book of history is called Custer's Trials. Hope you join us tomorrow. Thanks for listening today. Hi, this is Steve Williams. I'm bringing jazz time to UPR. Each week I'll feature commentary, history, the occasional interview, and of course lots of music. From ragtime to bop, from Havana to Paris to Logan, Utah, I'll be your guide through the many varieties of jazz music. I hope you'll join me for KCBW's Jazz Time with Steve Williams, Sunday evenings from 6 to 10 here on Utah Public Radio. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR, Logan. KUSK, Vernal. KUSL, Richfield. KUST, Moab. KCEU, Price. KUSU, FM, Logan. Also heard at upr.org.